Game Boys. Hey there, internet. Welcome to another episode of the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux and I'm your host. And joining me as always, it's your boy and he's re-employed. It's Griffin Davis. <laughs> re-employed? Yeah. I'm fully employed by the Game Boys Corporation. That's true. Which I'm unionizing against. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're a one-man union against Game Boys Incorporated. Yes, and I will take back the means of production until I realize I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I was, we've had this conversation before. If you want to start posting the episodes, you can start <laughs> making demands. <laughs> so... One thing we'll get off uh, out of the way right now at the top of the episode is that uh, we don't have a guest this week because it is hellishly busy for both of us. And the only time we could both record is right now, which is 10 p.m. Central Time. But also, I think it's also because we've decided to sort of set a, a runway schedule for the next couple of weeks of all brand new video games. You know, tis the season. There's a lot of big drops over the next couple of weeks. And me and Lux have decided to ruin our schedules even more by playing all the new stuff. And I think that is why it's going to be harder to find guests this month because not everyone's cutting edge. Not everyone's willing to buy day one. It's true. A lot of people are uh, technically labeled cowards. Yes. Um, that's the word we like to use for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try and get you guys a little bit more, at least during this time when like a ton of new games are coming out, a little more insight into what's fresh and new, um, as opposed to whatever we feel like talking about on a given week. Exactly. Um, although surely we'll still do some of that as well. Um, but before we get into what we're talking about this week, Griffin, have you played anything besides the game for this week? Um, uh, well, something's been playing with me. Uh, and that's the Watchmen TV show. Oh, we'll uh, get to that. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to that? I want to talk about it now. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to the new segment that we took a break from last week. What's back this week? Who watches the Watchmen? Griffin, I take it you're watching the Watchmen. I am watching the Watchmen. And uh, it started to veer severely off course with the graphic novel um, in terms of one uh, very large blue shaped dildo. Yeah, well, that's sort of emblematic of this bigger thing, which I'm slowly realizing about the show is that it's like almost as though Damon Lindelof read the book and went, ah, what if we did this, but the opposite? <laughs> like, what if everything from this actually it was backwards? Um, I'd like to do a little uh, Twitter reporting right now because I've been hearing some some very funny uh, stuff on the ground down there on Twitter.com <laughs> yeah. about, about the Watchmen. Our intrepid um, Twitter reporter, Griffin Davis. Now, if you if people if you people have looked through, there's like supplemental like promotional material about the Watchmen. Oh, yes. <laughs> OK. Um, and uh, in some of this stuff. Uh, it's it says that one of the characters, the murdered police chief, served in Vietnam under Robert Mueller. <laughs> yep, that's one of the big, one of the really big good ones that you love to hear about. <laughs> this is not a politics podcast, and very few people care about this. But come on, it's awesome. It's Let's very go. silly. Um, other silly things from the supplemental details include learning that. Uh, Lori, who the character who owned the aforementioned big blue dildo, um, after the events of Watchmen, the book, uh, bought some guns and became the comedian and became a superhero in the model of her dad. And at the end of the novel, 
She's like, I hate my dad and want to be nothing like him. And also, I don't love guns. Like, she gets a gun, but it's supposed to be sort of like a sad moment that you hate. And in the show, they're like, and then she got really into guns and turned into her dad. Um, And she was still in love with Dr. Manhattan and his big blue hog. Yeah. um, Regardless, uh, it it was like the first episode was like, what are they doing? Is this going to be an interesting show? And now I'm like, uh oh. It's going to be it's going to be full blown Russiagate up in here pretty soon. Yeah. Right. Like, why are they seating Robert Mueller if not <laughs> to bring him to bring him in and really mix it up? Regardless, that dildo, I think we can all agree, was far too big in comparison to Dr. Manhattan's normal godlike penis. Yeah, totally. And also, again, this is more supplemental shit. But in an interview, Lindelof was like. Uh, the reason she has it is because after you've fucked a god, how could anyone else ever live up to it? And a big Jesus. point, a big plot point of the of the story is that actually they have bad sex because he's not emotionally intimate. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I mean, honestly, who knows how to fuck better, Damon Lindelof or Alan fucking Moore? Uh, yeah. I think that's quite obvious. But that was who watches the Watchmen. You know, it's great. This guy, I like this. There's no pressure with the guest lux. We can just talk about whatever. It's yeah. great. No, we do get it's to incredible. be loose goose on the I guest list episodes. I say no more guests. What have you been playing this week? Um, I say let's slow down on that one. But I've been playing, aside from the game we're talking about um, and the game we're going to talk about next week. Um, I've been not playing, but watching the global Starcraft championships. Whoa. Okay. And that, and, and that's not local. That's, that's global. That that's global, baby. That took place at BlizzCon in a, your neck of the woods in Anaheim, California, mm-hmm, where I was actively protesting outside, uh, with my Mitsubishi <laughs> yeah, where, you were, where you were doing donuts in your Mitsubishi <laughs> and yelling free Hong Kong now. Um, <laughs> still leveling though via laptop. But yeah. not paying for their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, brought my own hotspot. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it's cool, man. It was very cool. It was interesting to watch. That game is wild because I don't really watch anything except the big tournaments. Um, and in between every big tournament, like the strategy of how everything happens changes radically. So every time I watch one of the big tournaments, it feels like I'm watching an entirely new game. Like mm. whole strats are built around units that no one would ever use like six months ago. Um, which is kind of cool, very confusing, makes it very hard to know what's happening or who's winning. Right. I think it's impressive that even Blizzard's most boring game is super successful. Yeah. Well, let's be fair. It's only really cool in single player or when people are really, really good at it. And at every other level, it's dumb. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's funny, cool, but it's not like a, a thing that I'd give a shit about unless the people playing it were like inhumanly good, mm-hmm. which these dudes insanely are. It's fucked up. Yeah, none of them are humans. There's there's some animals, there's some inanimate objects, inhuman. Yeah, the other thing I've been really into lately, I've because I've been playing a lot of video games. They're all for this show because we're doing this quick release thing. The other thing I've been really into though is an anime, an anime called Kimono no Ichi. And here I was going to tell you the premise of it straight up, and you just react how you feel appropriate. So it's okay, about audience watch my face for reaction. It's about a professional wrestler. Who gets teleported to a fantasy world because the princess prays for the hero of another land to save them. But the thing is, the monsters she's dealing with are just like weird versions of animals. And this wrestler, his dream, opening a pet store. So his whole deal is that he's just trying to become best friends with all the animals and sell them like their pets. And open a fantasy pet business. Also, there's a lot of half animal people and he's big time a furry. It's weird. 
and it's horny <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah. I can't tell who's the fish out of water in that story. That Everyone. Like there's several fish in, of different bodies of water all out of it now. Yeah. It's basically like a bunch of fish at the bottom of a dried up lake. Like, <laughs> it's no, no one makes nothing. Nothing fully makes sense, but it's all great. It's weirdly wholesome, wholesome lol, for a show that is so weirdly horny. Well, oh. I uh, I recently uh, used the power of anime to uh, to rebuild a bridge that had been burned uh, or not burned. But, you know, uh, I, I sensed uh, that, that someone uh, did not like me. And then I used anime as a way to find common ground. And I left that bar. And I was like, that person totally likes me now because I watched every episode of Naruto. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, it'll that'll do it. That'll do it. It's, there's 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 a bond there that's really incredible. So thank you very much, Naruto. I've got one less hater out there in the world. But let's get a back to the video games with a little bit of everyone's favorite show, Toxic or Toxic. Lux, you know the rules. Let's get right into it. All uh, right. News story number one. Video game addiction. China imposes gaming curfew for minors. Uh, that feels toxic. It's very toxic. Let's give, let's hear a few more facts about this. Gamers under 18 will be banned from playing online uh, between certain hours. They'll also be restricted. And here's the worst part, Lux. To 90 minutes of gaming on weekdays and three hours on weekends and holidays. Well, it sounds like China has decided to punt on the competitive esports scene. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> a whole generation decimated. Yeah, they're, wow. they're never going to compete at anything, any kind of GSL, WCS, IEM event for, for a long, long time. And this is a like, war crime. <laughs> it's just like such a crazy regulation of just like people's time. Like, that's so crazy dystopian of like, you know, wow. It's, you know, some some rulers, they like they, they use like ga they gas their people like a sod. China's <laughs> China's doing these gaming curfews. And that feels very similar. Uh, news story number two. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, pretty much the same, I'd say. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield's full Pokedex leaks online. Um. I'll say, I'll give this a surprising because usually I hate this shit, but it is nice to be able to pick which game you're going to buy with like a good sense of like what the sluices are. Um, I, is, yeah, that's a good point. Like it just like helps people like make informed buying decisions. Yeah. I personally don't have a mega investment one way or the other sluicy wise. None of them were like, whoa, I gotta have Gergamar or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I haven't given it a super close look either because I also, you know. A bunch of my friends will buy one set and I'll buy the other one. Uh, well, yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like leaks are annoying. I kind of wish I could just like have the game come out. But it was cool to see some of the later evolutions of Sobble, who turns into uh, quite the quite the queen. Turns into a real kind of female Gex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is the vibe I, I, I want. I was into uh, the, the monkey drum man. Moving on. Uh, news story number three. Reviewers are saying Death Stranding is boring for the first 10 hours. I mean toxic because <laughs> either it's true and that's like <laughs> oh man i have to deal with that problem in my life <laughs> i mean I'm, i know i'm saying toxic too because we just both have to do that <laughs> yeah and or it's not true and people just have no respect for cool stuff although I'm, I, right. I bet it's true because it's a yeah. kojima game and they have like 90 hour intros that make no sense but 
like like that's this is the a, first time you play with the controller. <laughs> yeah, this is like a recurring problem in our culture, though. I'm just gonna <sighs> make this into a big deal. Um, but like, this is a recurring cultural problem we have is like media that like asserts its own its ownership over your time. Like Netflix shows that are like it's twelve hours, but the real story doesn't start till hour four, and it's like, no, right. you're a TV show. You have to convince me to watch you. And the For same sure. is true of like a video game or whatever. But like a lot of media, just is like, I'm a show, gotta watch me. Um, <laughs> and like that's crazy. Um, but it's it's ubiquitous. Also, uh, yeah, that's right, David Fincher. I'm coming for you. I'm talking specifically about Mindhunter. Wow, yeah, Mindhunter, take that. Uh, take a page from Tall Girl. Two minutes in, you know she's tall. <laughs> Take a minute and, to Tall Girl, a, a movie written by a short person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that dude, the dude uh, who actually wrote it is like, what, like 5'7 or right, something it's like, like tall that? Tall Girl is a show, for, <laughs> a show produced ever written by a short man. So, I don't know. Uh, sh- a short king. Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, news story number four. Uh, Blizzard says sorry for a Hong Kong debacle at BlizzCon, but does not repeal the player's ban. I mean, toxic. Toxic. Like, Very it's, toxic. It's also like, duh. <laughs> um, Because like way more people follow BlizzCon news and follow like professional Hearthstone news. Right. Um, so it was like a reasonable gamble they would do that, but also it's like, fuck you. Like, yeah. absolutely fuck you. You don't just get to get up and be like, actually, we realize we were wrong and it's a bad thing to do things with people's free speech and free speech is important. Um, but we do not take it back. <laughs> he, he was more like, I'm Blizzard, gotta love me. <laughs> yeah, I'm Blizzard. I'm, you know, it's me, Blizzard, your best friend. And you love Diablo 4. Who cares about this guy? Diablo 4 is coming. Um, You're right. You're right. Because uh, at the end of the day, we'll trade our families for Diablo 4. That's pretty true. I can't believe that I saw a post that was like new Diablo 4 classes, and it was just two classes from Lord of Destruction that they put back into the game. And then Barbarian, which was in the old game, but has new moves. None of these are new classes. <laughs> I saw people freak out. They put druids in it. And it's like, guys, we know what a, dru- a we know what a druid is. And we've seen druids before. Yeah, we had a druid in the Lord of Destruction. The druid rules. The druid's like one of the most fun classes they've ever made. Yeah. But it's just like, uh, it's not new. We're, well, you know, they, they make the good stuff. And, you know, uh we should all we should all ban Blizzard everywhere. Okay. Uh final story. Ninja's move to Mixer brought more streamers to Microsoft's platform, but not more viewers. Um, of course, this is a famous ninja streamer who used to stream on Twitch, the biggest streaming platform, but then Microsoft paid him millions of dollars to switch to their new platform. How are we feeling about this story? I like I guess good. I guess do 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 like <laughs> It's good that Amazon doesn't own the only place where video game streaming happens. It's just also like, how much do I care about like competing billionaire companies? Like, <laughs> true. Like Bill Gates is like, look, Ninja, come over here and stream on my thing. And then Jeff Bezos is like, no, my thing is best. And then like Ninja goes somewhere. Like, it, it feels a lot to me like like certain tech companies just get there first and they just make it the best. And there's just like shitty other versions. Like, I feel like that happened with Spotify, right? Like we got title and we got like all these other ones that like all flamed out. Uh, but like Spotify is still around. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's the same way 
with this stuff, I think Twitch will probably go the distance because it's run by Lex Luthor. But that was toxic or toxic. Lux, thank you for playing. And I know what we've been all trying to cram in this week. So let's hear a little bit of history about this game. In 2008, Bethesda released post-apocalyptic RPG Fallout 3 to critical and commercial success. Bethesda immediately wanted a sequel, but their main team was busy working on a little game called Skyrim. So they commissioned independent studio Obsidian with creating the sequel. Obsidian set to work and released Fallout New Vegas, which improved on the gameplay story and choices of three. While it had severe technical issues, New Vegas became a cult hit, and with Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 being lackluster disappointments, many Fallout fans still consider New Vegas to be the greatest Fallout game ever made. Until this week, when Obsidian released a brand new RPG that might be the best new Fallout game that's not called Fallout. This week, it's The Outer Worlds. Oh man! Um, what a what a game! What a wild what a game. outer world! We're, we're we're back with one of my favorite game studios. Feels like they're in their element. Lux, you've played a lot more of this game than I have. Where are you at with this game? I like it. Um, I like it because it feels a lot more like, and I, weirdly, it feels a lot more like Skyrim than Fallout to me. Um, maybe just in my reaction to it. But um, Fallout never super made me want to, like, explore the stuff mm-hmm. because a lot of Fallout was people being like, out there is lasers and scorpions and hot lava, but maybe also a gun you might want. And that was never allowed in my head. Just be like, that's not that appealing. Like, that's not a good sales. Like, that's not a good pitch <laughs> to me. Um, but Skyrim would always be like, it, there's dangers in that magical woodland filled with promise and wonder. And I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I'll risk those for that. Um, you want a little more fantasy. Not just fantasy, but like it made the places you were going seem cool enough to like you just want to go to them in like a Breath of sure. the Wild kind of way. Yeah. And Outer World Super does that. Like on the first planet, like I found a whole second city in a weird museum and like all these weird plot lines that like absolutely weren't like linearly part of what I was doing, but I was just walking around cause there was like cool paths and cool buildings and like places you can go in and talk to stuff. Um, and like the whole first planet, like the ethical question, on the first planet's like kind of a fun one. Um, I do like a lot that like you do have the choice to just like do. Yeah. Well, yeah, well we'll get to that choice. Yeah. Not, not, like, the, not the choice in that quest, but just generally like the choice to do most anything. Right. And just eat the consequences. Um, yes. Like at one point I was just wondering, there's a companion quest and we can get more specific about this if you want, Well, there's a companion quest, um, where your companion like wants to talk to a specific person. And I was just like, what would happen if I just like shot this person in the head? Like, what would the game do? And so I did. And then that companion just freaked the fuck out and left the party and was like, I'm awesome. done here. I love um, that. And then I loaded the game and was like, well, okay, we'll go over that. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah, you get like you have the freedom to do a lot of things, and that's really fun. It doesn't feel when is like they're gonna finally be the game that like just knows that you want to experiment with the choices and just gives you a reverse button, so you don't have to do like the scum save, like what like a scum save that's built into the game, you know? Like, yeah. like I think that would be really fun for uh for them to do for a game like this because like well, I kind of want to see all the different options, like you know, and like just reverse it and go back. Yeah, and the game the game does struggle with like the thing that a lot of these games struggle with, which is always like making every choice feel important. 
like the Mass Effect games always were like the are like kind of like the peak of that, where like every single decision you make ends up feeling very, very important. Um, and this game sometimes struggles with that, but doesn't always. And when it's not struggling with that, it's so fun and so cool. Um, it's also nice. The like kind of early game character build stuff is really fun. Um, because like, for instance, I tried to make a cool Han Solo type. Um, but here's the thing. I suck at shooting in video games. <laughs> and so specking handguns was a big problem. For sure. Um, and so I was able to just like, but then like with the two level ups, I was able to dump like 15 points across all my melee skills because of the way it yep. works. And then I just transitioned into be like a melee guy. Mm-hmm. Um, until I was like good enough to start using bigger, cooler guns. And that's a big, that's a big change I want to talk about is like the way they build the, the skill trees in this game is really fun. And I guess for anyone listening right now, who's thinking about getting the game, I should have, we should have said this earlier, but, uh, we're probably just going to talk about like probably the first like five or six hours of the game, like kind of just like the intro, like we're not going to get into like major like story stuff. Cause like I've only gone through the first planet and a half or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we'll just talk about the beginning and stuff. Cause that's kind of where we're at with it. Um, so yeah, the skill tree is awesome. Cause like in an earlier follow game, like you would put a point into everything like sneak like lock picking shooting whatever heavy weapons in this game there are actually like there's these umbrellas that filter and give points to all these skills so you can kind of like it's like less stressful in a certain way and feels like you're like improving yourself without having to really min and max like every single thing yeah and the, the way it works is that you can there's like seven or eight categories and you can level things up and levels everything in that category until a specific thing hits 50 at which point you have to level that specifically once the things at 50 it's like pretty generally useful like if your science is at 50 like you can do a pretty decent number of sciencey things and if like your hack is at 50 same thing or your persuade or whatever so like it lets you get to like a functional minimum pretty quickly and then you start specking like the things that you're like super good at which right. I like a lot because I what's frustrating in some of the fallout games when you're talking about like it encourages a kind of min max approach that means like I'm very good at punching, but very bad at reading. And it's like, well, I, like it would be nice if I was okay at reading, you know? I don't and, know. I think that's funny, though. Yeah. You it, can be a dumb person in this game. Oh, you absolutely can be a dumb person if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm not brave enough because uh, I need to play something that's different than my life. Uh, need a fantasy of being yeah. a smart space person. I just like using I, I like the one thing that's true about this game and various Fallout games and Skyrim and uh, Oblivion and all these games is that like lying is pretty OP um, that you can do like almost anything if you are good at lying, yeah. um, including one thing I like to do, which is anytime I see a cool gun, I just pick it up and then the cops are like, what are you doing? And I, I lie is high enough that I just say, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> And they're like, I'm a cop. You're under arrest. And they're like, that's a good lie. (laughs) And they're like, oh, here's my badge and gun, officer. Um, Yeah, but like basically that's that's what happens. I can just be like, I'm not stealing anything. They're like, oh, okay. In that case, see you later. So I just have all these like super sweet guns that my guy's like not really qualified to use. Um, (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So let's get into kind of like the premise for this game. Now, this is like a big jump because like this feels like a fallout game, but it's in space for the first time. So it's it's like not apocalyptic. It's like this like bright kind of groovy, funky looking future uh, like of planets. 
and you kind of uh, you're like frozen. You're being like sent to these colony planets and you're frozen with a whole ship of people that have like your ships lost course and you're all in hypersleep uh, and uh, uh, a, a spelunking Bernie Sanders unfreezes you uh, and tells you to go kill the, the corporations. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. like the setup is that you're on this like special generation ship. That's like for like the cool smarty pants people who like matter a lot, who were lost, like maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose. It's unclear. And then like, yeah, Rick Sanchez, Bernie Sanders shows up and is like, hey, Mor- hey, Morty, we got to seize these means of production, Morty. Um, and like lets you out and basically is like, if you can do these series of nearly impossible sounding tasks, then we can wake up everyone else on your ship full of like special smart people with very high IQs. And they can fix the problem of like capitalism or whatever. Right. Um, so then like you have to go. So then like you go off and do that. Yeah. He's like, I love like, I love his ideas. Like, yeah, all of the all of the doctors and scientists on board. They're not they're like definitely not neoliberals that love capitalism. Like they're definitely going to yeah, they're going to use their giant working peasants. Yeah, they're going to use their giant brains to fix the problem. So it's going to be <laughs> fine once we get them out. Yeah. Bernie Bernie Sanders is just he's just basically like, ah, uh, listen, uh, uh, you got to unfreeze the, the DNC chairman. Uh, so we can, we can stop this capitalism. Yeah. It was like, Oh, Morty, you got to get Tom Perez out of the hope or else we're doomed. <laughs> um, but no, it does. He like, makes his case for like, the whole thing is that like, there are supposed to be like business people plus also other representatives of like brain yeah. power in outer space. But then like the rich guys like made it so that all the other guys had to go be frozen for 70 years. Um, and so that's what happens. And so then you're set off onto like a series of worlds to do these different tasks with the ultimate goal of like liberating this ship, which is named very on the nose, the hope. Um, and then, yeah, and that's, that's basically the, of the game. But as you do that, you make a bunch of choices, meet a bunch of people, have some companions, do all kinds of things. Yeah. So then you go to the first planet and I was instantly reminded when I met characters on this planet of like, God, these are just like so much more interesting, lived in, like nuanced types of characters than you see in other video games. And like, that's why I love New Vegas so much is they just feel so specific. And like, like, uh, for instance, the guy who runs the the shitty coal town that you go to in the first world, the cannery or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, he's such an interesting character because he's like he looks like a slime ball. And he talks kind of evil, but like. He kind of like has his own way of thinking about what's best for everyone in the town. It's just it's a very interesting character that could normally just be like a very flat evil person. Uh, And just uh, I I was like instantly like, oh, man, it makes you want to go through every dialogue option with them and like sit and stay with them. Yeah, it does. um, It's very effective in that way of just sort of like it not it's not. There are some games, right, where, like, every single character feels like they have a whole life, and this game is one of those games, but when there are characters who they want to have you feel that way, and when you meet those characters, it's, like, very effective. Like, the first couple of guys you meet are all, like, the, like when you first get to the town, there's just this grave digger, and you're like, so what's the <laughs> deal here? And he's like, I wouldn't know, I just dig the graves. And then you're like, okay, but, like, anything? And he's like, nope, I'm a, I'm a holes guy, that's my, I dig a hole and I put things in it. <laughs> Um, how long you been doing that for well all my life (laughs) yeah exactly like he doesn't really give you anything um or like the first guy you meet like the idiot space like the idiot space guy you meet who's just like 
Oh yeah, I am hurting this cave. Better give you my gun so that you can take care of my problem. Those are those are just beginning like tutorial, like learn how to talk to someone. Right. Stuff, like a lot know? there's a lot of like per and even even later in the end there's like peripheral characters where it's sort of like, welcome to the zone, here's the deal, bye. Sure. Um but like when they get you to the characters who kind of drive the action of any given place, those characters are all like you're saying, like a little more nuanced, a little more interesting. Like the guy at the cannery is like he sucks and is obviously a dick in a lot of ways. But it's like hard to tell if he's a dick because like he's a dick or if he's a dick because he like thinks he's doing the right thing. Right. Um, right. Which like always makes it a little more interesting, a little more complicated. And he has like a clear perspective on like why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. So so you have this big choice on the first planet. And essentially there's the cannery, which is like the capitalist structure. But they're like a really poor offshoot and they're not doing super well. And then there's been some deserters that have have, have kind of bailed from the from the plant and they're living out in the woods. And you have this choice of who to divert uh electrical power to uh which basically is like it will save one of them and then probably like ruin and destroy the others so it's just like are you going to go with like these like deserter people who like don't believe in the system but like are a very small population or do you like hurt this like much bigger population but that's like led and like abused with capitalism and is like part of a bad system right because the whole thing is that the town the first time you go to everyone works at the cannery where they can saltuno which is like some gross space fish and like <laughs> everyone's getting sick because the space fish is nasty and like they work too many hours and there's all these really really good on that level throwaway lines they're walking around about their working conditions where characters are like they give us eight hours of sleep maybe not consecutive but we get eight hours and it's stuff like that that's like very very grim very grim but very funny um and the whole game is that that kind of like a lot of that like resigned comedy tone of like the the like brain worms of capital which is really fun um and it, it like it does it does make you calculate like in a lot of games be very easy to just be like oh i give power to the fucking deserters because like they're they have a tree and like the other people have a big can zone but it's like <laughs> you, you are <laughs> and i hate cans but like it is true that like there are hundreds more people in the can town than there are in the tree village and so it's like if you shift the power like you're killing a lot more people um, and causing a lot more problems if you do the good, like the good guy thing. Um, so it's nice that those things are implicated because even though like on principle for me, it was very easy to choose, at least making it feel like I had to like think about it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. So you chose the deserters. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did too. Uh, I mean, then what the game was so kind of interestingly it did was like the second you do that and you give the, the quote unquote good guy choice to give it to the uh, technically the rebels or whatever. Um, you like go back to the town and they're like out of power and the plants getting shut down and you're told that people are going to starve to death. And, and it's just so bleak and, and like your choice is like instantly just like shown. Uh, and it's, and it's interesting. It's, 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 it's tough because they do frame it like a really bad thing. But you could also argue that all those people are going to get hungry and fed up and like take over the cannery and like force a rebellion, you know, like, isn't that sometimes how this shit starts? Yeah, totally. It's it's, the game feels a little more resigned about these things sometimes than it maybe 
could, but I kind of love that. Like it, it has a good, yeah. it has a good balance. Did you get the vibe from? I, this is just a thing I'm thinking about nonstop since I played since I played that stage. Did you get the vibe from the the tree people that they were uh, using humans as fertilizer? Yeah, well, they were still kind of creepy in a weird way. Well, they talk about special fertilizer and just like the sci-fi nerd part of my brain. Like as soon as I hear special fertilizer, I'm like, that's ground up people. Yeah, like instantly. Oh, and I didn't. I was unable to find out if that was true or not. Um. Yeah, maybe we made a very bad decision, and we should have done more side quests. Um, well, I did. That's something I that's did also a lot fun. of side quests for this exact reason. I was probably on that planet like five hours longer than I had to be because I was like, somewhere on this planet, they're gonna tell me what that fertilizer is. And then yeah. after like four or five hours of like discovering museums and stuff, I was like, you know what? I don't need to know about this fertilizer. And then I just like went <laughs> to the next thing. Yeah. And so like I've gone a little bit farther past that and it's open to a second planet, which is cool. Um, and I and, and I'm not bothered that it's not all one big open world, but like a selection of planets. It feels very mass effecty in that way. And I, and you have your own ship and I, and I love the personality of the little ship AI. So it seems like there's like a lot of fun stuff going on. But now I want to talk quickly about the combat of this game okay yeah for um, sure how them sticks because, feel bud how do them sticks feel um so it's interesting like it feels like sometimes my turning sucks like just looking and moving around have you had this experience no it's been pretty clean for me although i have a harder time telling because you're good at these games i i don't know if it's my controller or what but like there's just times where i was just kind of like I don't know what I was experiencing, but it was, it was kind of like a weird, slow kind of stagger when I'd be like turning left and right. That was frustrating me and didn't feel like it didn't feel very fluid. And then um, this is the fall. This is like not a follow game, but it basically is. But it doesn't have a VAT system, which is the fun little system that stops time and zooms in on different body parts and then gives you percentage chance to hit those. And uh, I miss that in this well, has game. a VATS adjacent thing. But it's very different. It's really just slow mo time. Yeah, it's big time slow mo time. Your your some your total time dilation or whatever your TTD. Yeah, and and it slows time down so you can like get more shots off. But it feels very generic compared to like all the fun and personality that the VAT system had. Um, yeah, and it also feels very very like they were trying to come up with a narrative justification for a VATS like thing and came up with this crazy thing where like sometimes if you're asleep in hyperspace too long you can control time yeah uh, that, which is like a crazy yeah <laughs> uh, that's wild one thing I like that's not dissimilar to that well we can get on the combat for a second if you have any other stuff to say on the combat before I go on to this I, other yeah, thing I definitely want to stick on the combat more because that is like my ultimate sticking point uh, with this game because right now I'm very excited about all the choices and side quests and all the voice acting and stuff all the stuff I love about a Fallout game um, but like so far the combat that I've experienced is pretty kind of messy I would say like it doesn't it doesn't feel satisfying um, I've been playing a melee character and it just feels like I'm flailing around right now maybe that'll get better as I get better weapons or something but everything just feels a little off like it doesn't feel like it has the right weight to it um the, and it just the melee it stuff feel is tough good. yeah um because it feels like they tell you that there are all these like ways you can hit manipulate the r2 button to like hit it three times for a three hit combo or hit it once then hold it down to a crazy sweep attack and you can tile these things together and like maybe you just haven't gotten the timing down or whatever but I have not had one of those like cool runs, yeah. um, which is a uh, bummer. 
Yeah. And so like right now I know like I'm pretty weak and low level, but I just like when I've been fighting stuff, it's just, it hasn't felt good or satisfying. And uh, I kind of like miss the VATS system of just like zooming in on stuff and blowing off limbs and stuff. So I don't know, maybe it'll get better um, as I get stronger. But uh, right now that is like, I think the part of the game I'm not enjoying. I am having more fun now that I'm like a melee and big guns boy. Mm -hmm. And like whenever I'm in a situation, I'm like better sword that guy. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's a big mantis alien. Got to use my machine gun. And oh, a robot better pull out my energy rifle. And like, that's pretty fun. Um, But definitely it's not uh, seamless. It doesn't have anything with the character of that. One thing it does have that I think gives the game nice flavor is the uh, perk versus harm system. Have you seen this yeah. at all? Yes. Yeah. So this is a cool thing where throughout the game, if various things happen to you, um, the game will offer you kind of a character beat, uh, like harm. Like, for instance, one of my guys things is um, like it's easy for my dude to get concussions because I keep falling off cliffs. Um, so I have like some skill downgrades, but I got an extra perk, which gives me like a big overall bonus. Um, I also have one where like I'm very vulnerable to acid. Um <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so yeah it's fun because you you take a bad thing and you get a good thing but it's like the game's watching you so if you make a bunch of similar mistakes they're like that's part of your personality and that's like that's really cool that's really cool and it just gives your character a little more flavor like now I'm not just like kind of like weird like beat Takeshi Han Solo with a sword tiny character I'm also that but like I have CTE and like an acid allergy um, <laughs> and so like there's just a whole lot more detail to that character um, in a way that makes it a lot more compelling to like play the game. Yeah. Uh, last thing that's uh, been something that's not, I'm not enjoying. I'm enjoying so much of this game. I love. I'm loving this game. I can't wait to go back and play some more of it. The menus suck. Oh yeah. I ha- I hate the menus in this game. They've honestly never been worse than any other Fallout game. They're messy. They don't look good. They're not snappy. Uh, there's not a snappy way to open your map. Uh, you have to like hold down the middle and sometimes it feels like it's not always, it's just weird. Uh, it just, these are basics like things that even the old follow games did better. Yeah. It's, it's, that's true. Like the menus are nasty. Weapon changing is slimy. Yeah. Um, like nothing that stuff. I feel like the quality of life stuff in this game is like its biggest kind of failure. Cause for me, the combat stuff isn't that big a deal. Cause I'm just like not good at combat anyway. So I always feel like I'm too slow and turning too fast and looking at things wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the fact that like it can take me so long to reorder my weapon loadout because it's oh, just like, it took me forever. Yeah. Cause it just like is so weird about what you can and cannot switch in, like how swaps work. Yeah, and like it or, just doesn't feel good, and it's like you should feel you should know that immediately if you're making this game and you play through your menu. It's like I don't know for for a game where you spend so much time in a menu, it sucks, and uh, the map sucks too. Yeah, the leveling menus are fine. The map is frustrating. The inventory is frustrating. It's like it it's and that sucks because the game does have this like momentum of like cool worlds with things you want to explore and look at, and characters you want to talk to, and things you want to go do. But then every time like. Like, it sucks to be like, all right, I'm rolling up on the cave with the space maggots. I got to switch to my, like, space maggot destruction gear. And then you have to spend 45 minutes, like, jiggering a menu. And you can't yeah. just, like, roll into the zone and do the damn thing. And also, like, it's one of those games where in the first two hours, like, every couple of seconds, a new, like, freeze frame pops up and explains a new system or, like, a new thing. Uh, and, and that, like, also 
got very jarring after a while when I was just like, God, just let the game go for a few more minutes before introducing another system. Yeah, I can respect that when they're trying to like just get people immersed into the game zone, but it also can be like a lot. No, yeah, I'm saying there's too many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that I get it because like the game has all these little mechanics that are important to know, but like and there's not that spaced out and it can feel like really overwhelming. Like I remember one stretch where it was like, you can use a melee weapon. Also a gun. Here's how you do a reload. And it was just like four or five in the space of like maybe two minutes. And it was just like, yeah. I'm trying to do game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are some things of an overall pretty great experience so far. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited to see how we end this podcast after this commercial break. Hey everyone, it's Lux. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor. Not the classic tattoo design, but the podcast making option. If you haven't heard about it, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me, and also Griffin who's here. Hello. Let us explain. First off, it is free. Cheaper than a tattoo. And that's what you want is a zero dollar cost. Yeah. You want it to be uh, far cheaper than a tattoo because a tattoo costs you everything. Can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery. Yep. Uh, but also, <laughs> other than cemeteries, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, your mobile phone in your pocket, or your computer, your laptop, or if you're a home professional like me, your desktop computer. Um, and the one thing you're probably wondering is, how do I get this podcast even once I make it to the people? Well, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And many other platforms that people love to listen to. And you can make money from your podcast. I know you got into it for the art, but forget that, man. Follow this paper with no minimum listenership. There are no barriers to selling out on Anchor, and that's why we love it. It's everything that you need to make a podcast. It's all in one place, and you got to give it a shot. So, Griffin, tell them what to do. I'm just saying we're giving you this call of action, and some people, so some people, this call to action, it feels voluntary or optional. No, this is mandatory, this call to action, to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started tonight Hey there, Internet. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Stellux, and with me is your is your co-host, who's also the guest, and I'm also the guest, and it's Griffin Davis, and the two of us are the only people here. Um, that's what's going on. Uh, so now's the part of the show where we rate that game, boys, girls, and friends beyond the binary, and so Griffin, you know exactly what to do so well that you often correct me when I tell other people how to do it, so why don't you take it away? <laughs> well, I'm not. I mean, I love the way you do it. It just never works. Yeah, I mean that's not not an unre- that's not an <laughs> untrue claim.
Um, so this is, yeah, first impression rating. This is not my final rating, and I'll do a new rating when I complete this game. Uh, this game is great. I'm so excited. Uh, I've replayed Fallout New Vegas like three times. I replayed it this year in anticipation for this game. This is one of my favorite types of games. I like that it doesn't reinvent the wheel, um, that it's really just trying to do a solid Mass Effect-y, Fallout-y type game. Uh, and the only things that are just sticking in my craw right now is like the menus. And then I'm worried about the combat. And I'm worried that without VATS, it's just it's just somehow a really mediocre system without it. And it lacks uh, a little bit of character. But who knows with weapons down the line? So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. Nice. I think uh, I'm in a similar ballpark. Um I think that ultimately the the thing with this game, so Skyrim, Fallout, uh, Mass Effect, Knights of the Old Republic, there were moments throughout all those games where I either like was very upset with the choice that I made and ate it or like had to load because I was so mad at myself for making the choice that I made. Um, and this game that's only happened twice and only once was it because of like the game and not because I was like, I'm going to do something and then load. I issued that lady's head off. Um, the other time was I made an old lady very angry and I felt really bad and reloaded. Um, and so because it doesn't have that weight, it loses one of the main things that these big explorey games do for me. Um, which is sort of like, let me like fuck up and feel bad about it, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and so I, for me, it's not quite, everything I want it to be in that respect, although I'm willing to see where it goes. Um, but I'm going to give it a four out of five for now. It's super, it's super fun. It's super good. It doesn't feel like quite weighty enough to be like big space adventure, but, uh, it's, it's good. It's great. And I recommend it to anyone who's trying to play a fun game. Hell yeah. Wow. Well, that was uh, first impressions of a new video game. Look forward to a few more new video games later this week. Luck, I know we've got an email from a guest. We have a review from a listener. <laughs> I know we've got a printed, uh, hand printed mail letter. Um, all right. We've got a four star review from Matthew 21784. It says, Needs more cowboy. I think I know who this is from and what they're trying to imply. Um, you mean more cowbell? More cowboy. I think this is a former guest of the show, Matthew Terrium. Oh, I see. Um, but who knows for sure? Me, for almost 100%. Uh, he says, need more cowboy. I haven't gotten laid in nearly 36 hours, so on behalf of my fellow incels, I request that you stop denigrating us in your segment, Toxic or Toxic. Otherwise, <laughs> best video game podcast by far, cowboy emoji. Cowboy emoji. Um, <laughs> well, thanks. That's That's the power of a brand. Yep, that's a brand for sure. The brand is strong. Uh, That's the power of brands. The position of the review, debatable, but fine, I guess. Um, we're not going to we we're not going to stop. We love the review. If only you could have rated it four out of four cowboy hats. Yeah. And also five out of five stars. It's a four out of five star review, but we only we had to read one. Wait, it wasn't five out of five. No, it was our first non five out of five. Oh, from someone we know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Honestly, you said it's still the best video game podcast, but the best video game podcast is still only four stars. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, cause, cause it's the genre that does not deserve five. Uh, leaving room for the theoretical perfect video game podcast that looms <laughs> beyond the horizon of our time. <laughs> um, I guess is what he's doing there. Precisely. Uh, well, thanks for that review. Wish it was uh, more of a five star review is my big note. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, you can't win them all. They can't all be perfect. Um, but that's going to be the end of our show. Griffman, do you have anything you need to plug? You want to plug? Hell yeah, man. You know, I haven't been gaming that much because it's show week for me. Once a month, my life turns to hell and every hour of the day is building a new show for the masses to be entertained. That's right. It's a new nobody yell at me. If you're listening, it's Friday morning. That means in two nights, Sunday night, 930, the Pack Theater is a brand new sketch variety show. We've got Janine Hogan doing some musical comedy. We've got the boys, the sketch team, but doing a few sketches very funny boys and of course we got the core sketch team and nobody yelled me with some all brand new stuff it's gonna be great 9 30 pack theater uh you can get tickets on eventbrite go to my instagram griffin p davis and the tickets are in my bio all right do that of uh, go to uh, game boys pod on instagram check my shit out at ml surfboard soon you're going to be seeing pwr stuff so look at party world wrestling on facebook but also i don't need to plug anything specific yet <laughs> because indiegogo doesn't drop till monday that being said also make sure to check out uh, producer Haley's instagram at eat every sound if you're into food things and asmr stuff it's really good and really cool and you should check it out um, that brings us to the end of our show. My name is Lux. I'm your host, your co-host, Griffin Davis. Your guest is nobody this week, motherfucker. Um, I don't know why I did it that way, but here we are. Eat it. Uh, your editor and producer is Haley Clevin. Your interaction music is by Matthew Morton, and your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs>